Dotnet Rocks, episode 997, with guest Corey House. Recorded Thursday, June 5th, 2014. Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. Carl and Richard, we're still at NDC. Loving it. After all these weeks. <laughs> <laughs> We've been here forever, man. Weeks of shows from That's NDC. It. Yeah. <laughs> Just been really productive yeah. and a lot of fun, too. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, well, you, you've heard all the rants for, for this uh, week, so let's just run the music. we got some stuff to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, buddy, what do you got? I ran across this very cool animation CSS website. You might know about it. Animate.css. Oh. Do you? Yes, I do. Corey knows about it. All right. Uh, just add water CSS animations and just Google Bing animate.css and you'll find it because the actual URL is kind of, you know, hard to pronounce. Um, but it's very cool. Um, and these are, I imagine they're going to use the GPU because they're, you know, bouncing, flashing, pulsing, rubber banding, shaking, swinging to dying, wobbling animations. And you can see them right there. It's just pretty cool. Did you see this? Look at this. I'm I'm actually showing Richard right here. And the text bounces around. Text and bounces wiggles. around and wiggles around. And, and that's not like that's a graphic object or anything. That's no, just CSS the, doing its thing. It's in the browser, but it's using the GPU to to animate divs. You know, that's cool. Just very cool. And it's a nice library. You can make some really ugly websites with that. I was just thinking that, you know. <laughs> it's you, where we go every you, time. You remember the it? old stock ticker oh, that yeah. everybody discovered in HTML? Uh, like uh, it was a part of IE5, was it? The marquee tag. The marquee tag. Yeah, just tag. say no. And the blink tag. The blink tag. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, that's But, funny. you know, animations are good when you use them Judicious. gently and there judiciously. That's Not, fair. Yeah. Um, you know, we use them all the time in uh, in desktop apps, um, just to just to do these subtle little things. You know, yep. one one great place that I use animations a lot is in lists. When populating a list, instead of just making something new appear in a list, right? Push all the other things down with an animation, right? And then populate the new item in the list, you know, and, and it just makes it look so you know where it's going, right? And much more observable, right? Yeah. It feels much more natural. Every time a computer does something abruptly, it makes humans uncomfortable. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's just yeah. like when things appear, where did it go? Where is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, too funny. So there you go, animate.css. Know it, learn, love it. Know it, learn, love it. Richard, who's talking to us? Grabbed a comment off of show 964, and that is the one we did with K. Scott Allen. Remember we were starting out, we, we were just talking about JavaScript libraries, mm. and I mentioned, you know, last show we'd done with it was about modernizers and so forth. Oh, I've kind of moved on from that. Yeah. And, and it really turned into a cool discussion about the ecosystem around JavaScript libraries right, and right. what was hard and what was easy. This comment comes from Graham Mendick, who said, uh, there's no need to reimagine web forms to build single-page applications. It's already possible using the navigation framework. And this is at navigation.coplex.com. It's an open-source library, like everything else in the mm. JavaScript world. Mm. What's more, unlike single-page applications built with MVVM frameworks, these web form spas are SEO-friendly. Oh, wow. Ooh, search indexable. Okay. I do not know anything about navigation.coplex.com, so I'm going to add the link to the show notes, and I'll have to dig into it a little further. Maybe there's a show there. Wow. Yeah, good one. So, Graham, thanks so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET or on any of our mobile apps. We make them for 
iOS, Android, Windows 8, and Windows Phone 7 and 8. And those apps are built by Diatom Enterprises. We'd love to build you an app. Just go to diatomenterprises.com. And before we go any further, let me tell you, Pluralsight is home to the largest technology and creative training library on the planet. They have thousands of developer, IT, and creative courses authored by MVPs and industry experts and .NET Rocks guests, Indeed. of course. They release dozens of new courses every month and offer a 10-day free trial, giving you 200 minutes of access with a wide range of topics, including iOS, Java, Android, web development, and pretty much anything and everything Microsoft. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And that brings us to Corey House. Corey is an independent consultant, iNeta speaker, Pluralsight author. I told you. Told you. <laughs> blogger and software architect with nearly 15 years of experience, uh, as of this writing anyway, in software development. As a software architect in Vin Solutions, Corey specializes in creating C-Sharp.net and JavaScript-based single-page apps for the automotive industry. He regularly speaks on clean code, architecture, and software career development at conferences and user groups across the country. Corey is author of Clean Code, Writing for Humans, and Architecting Applications in .NET on Pluralsight. Corey maintains a blog at bitnative.com and is active on Twitter as at HouseCore. Welcome. Thanks, So guys. you obviously, the clean code is in response to my book, Dirty Code. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great read. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm trying whatever. to picture the cover on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't want to see I've got a lot of ideas. Nothing no, good. Nothing yeah. good. Actually, you could just Google, do a random Google search. You'll find the cover. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, no dirty code is what everybody else was doing before before we knew it, <laughs> what to call it. Yeah. But uh, so, so yeah, well, let's talk about what you're doing here at NDC. So I'm doing two talks uh, here at NDC. Uh, the first one was uh, Becoming an Outlier, which is my latest Pluralsight course just launched. And I'm really excited about it because it, it really tells the story of my last couple of years of my career and basically lessons learned that I had decided to take a management position and step away from development, basically for the money. So you're I, talking about Gladwell's Outliers? or Yeah, that, that was one of the books that inspired the idea. Uh, there's, there's books before that, like Talent is Overrated, Love that, that also get to this idea. And it's really just this, this realization that this whole born with talent is yeah. really a misnomer. That sure. Most of the people that are really successful are successful because they did a lot of they, hard work. They worked at it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I love this. One of the things that I talk about in my session is looking back at Scott Hanselman's blog in mm. 2002. Mm. Right. So we're rolling back the clock. And yes, even Scott Hanselman had to start somewhere. Yeah. He is, everybody knows him now, but back then it was a hello world type of situation. That's right. Yeah. And that's really inspiring to me as somebody who's only been blogging a couple years yeah. and to see that slow rise just through hard work. Yeah. Anybody sure. can get there. Practice is uh, not optional. Yeah. Absolutely. And so process. people who love practicing that seem to get there fastest, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and I think people that are naturally curious. Yeah. That's just, if, if you love learning, then you will probably be an awesome developer. Yeah. That's, that's requisite. Because then the things that are slog for other people are a joy to you. Right. Right. You get really excited about uh, doing all of that. Yeah. Automotive industry. Yes. I've done a little dancing around there as well. What kind of apps are you building? Because it's a big industry. It is a very big industry. So uh, I basically work for AutoTrader, and uh, the app that I demoed for my second session here at NDC is uh, for desking. And 
desking is the idea of sitting down with a car salesman and talking finances, right? right? And saying, all right, what's my monthly payment? What are my interest rates? Who's going to finance us? And uh, that's the focus of us. We write software for automotive dealerships. Right. And what makes this is problem... Auto, is AutoTrader really a dealership? Is that like a, an online site for buying cars? Uh, they are, but we're a subsidiary. Oh, AutoTrader's bought so many different companies. Uh, <laughs> they, okay. they are growing by acquisition quite yeah. successfully so far. So we are just one of the many under there. All right. And so building apps, That this is the app that the salesperson has in front of them while they're talking to the prospective customer about... Exactly. How to actually buy the car. Yes. And, and there's a lot of common questions that someone has like, okay, I can't afford this $399 monthly payment. That's way too much money. How can we get this number down? So we've written apps to right. help them do that. Longer and terms, different payments. Yes. You know. You're thinking like a car salesman, all these it. different switches that you can flip to Twiddle get you closer. It. Yeah. Because the, the point is we want to make a sale, but there's a lot of different ways to get there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting business. Yeah, and that's exactly why a single-page app is really useful in that space because the key is performance and interactivity and ultimately the longer that something takes on the page, the greater risk that somebody decides to walk out and you right, miss the yeah, sale. Right, yeah, so it's got to right? be quick. And salesmen are not technical people. Like, talk about a tough user. <laughs> that's Ask true. Ask me how I know. Yeah, well, and, yeah, and they don't run the latest machines either. Nope. So that old gear, yeah. minimum, te- you know, they figured out their HP 12C financial calculator 20 years ago. <laughs> and, and they're and very like, happy with that. That's all they want. <laughs> that's yeah. true. So there are different ways to build an SPA uh, spa app, obviously, and uh, different technologies to use. What's your what's your tribe of choice for your technology stack? Well, that, that's been an interesting story because uh, of late I've been working in uh, Angular, but before that, and for the app that uh, I just demoed, it was Knockout and Durandal. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And I really like that combination. Uh, John Papa has an awesome course that just really showcases a lot of the benefits to he's it. mr spa and, oh yes yes he is, he is. And he, he's a great guy just an excellent teacher yes he is and the the beauty of it is that for someone especially if you're in a really large application and hitting build is somewhere where you go grab a coffee while you're yeah. waiting for the build yeah. which that that describes our application uh i was the lucky one just hitting save and hitting refresh in the browser and that is a luxurious experience yeah. to not have to wait for a build again right you know, after all these years so that that's a sweet thing but um, I mean I don't know if you guys have uh, covered anything about uh, the Durandal basically merging with Angular we really haven't well no. that's coming up uh, yeah. Mr. Eisenberg okay. who has been on the show before and I was in touch with him immediately when this imagine. was going on and said uh, can we talk and he says not yet so he's been holding off to, to have this conversation yep. but uh so we're not going to reveal any secrets here as far as he's concerned. You are welcome to say anything you like on the subject. So go <laughs> okay. right ahead. Okay. Knowing well, that Rob will set us straight sometime in the future. Excellent. Okay. okay. Yeah. And it, so, I mean, it, what I can't say is that's public is that he moved over there. And so because of that, I'm now thinking that we'll probably do the same thing. So we have this app. It's an interesting scenario because we yeah. had an app written in Silverlight. Oh, okay. Interesting. And Silverlight was great at the time, but the thing we're running into is car dealerships want to be able to use an iPad. They right. want to be able to sit out there, mm. and, and obviously Silverlight doesn't have a story nope. on iPad. Uh, one and would argue the iPad was the demise of Silverlight in the first place. Yes, yeah. yes, and Flash too. It's yep. just, yeah, it's No it's add-ins us. allowed. And so because of that, we said, all right, uh, an HTML5 app makes a whole lot of sense. Right. And we made that move, but now I've found myself again in a, an awkward situation where... Durandal is 
it has a very hazy future now. Yes. Right. Uh, so I'm thinking we'll probably move to Angular, but that that's one of the really Why interesting. Why did you use Randall in the first place? Like you, you already knew your way around Angular. You Was want it- a sad statistic? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. Automotive industry, like we said, they don't like the latest technology. Right. Um, 14% of our customers use IE7. Oh, wow. 14% of our customers use IE8. So that's fully 20%, 28% of our customers are on IE7 or 8. Right. And Angular wants 9. Uh, yeah. Now, Angular, I, I, and I'm hearing maybe even newer than that when 2.0 comes out. Right. Which mm. isn't too far Which off. Just cutting off the back end. Yeah. Bit by bit. At least you didn't say IE6, man. <laughs> At least you didn't say IE6. <laughs> <I don't. laughs> Isn't time up for IE6? Because I was ready. Well, yeah, because XP's expired. The yeah. only reason you have IE6 is you have a bare metal, unpatched version of XP. Yeah. Like, yeah. let's think about that for think a minute, that. kids. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Your machine's insanely vulnerable. It's time to do some soul searching. Yeah. If you haven't, because you're running XP SP2 or SP6, which is the last one, you're in IE8. Right. I'm so glad that IE6 is over. Yeah, that was a big win. Okay. So, th- I mean, that's a totally logical thing. You. You know, you're not doing anything dumb here, Corey. You're taking care of your customer. You're, this is what your customer has. Yes. And you've got to make it work. Mm-hmm. And Durandal works. It absolutely does. With Knockout. It does. But now now we find ourselves in this uh, weird kind of teeter-totter. And we go, I can't really move to Angular because I need to support IE7 yes. and IE8. Just because Durandal's got an interesting future doesn't mean your customers are roughly going to update their machines. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And it's not like the code's going to st- abruptly stop working either. No. It's just a chunk of JavaScript. Yes, that, that is true. Now, you never know if a new version of IE or Chrome comes out. It, it could, theoretically, but it's rather unlikely. Yeah, and that's the schism is if the latest browser comes out and it doesn't work, what's the chance your customer is using that browser anyway? <laughs> <laughs> well, my customer's pretty low. Yeah, yeah that's so true. So, again, it's like you're pretty safe in Durandal. That's true. All right, I get the decision-making process now. Mm-hmm. And why a single-page a- app? I mean, why that model? Well, the, the model made a lot of sense for us because the situation is you come in in the morning, you sit down, you grab your coffee, you load this application, and you're in it all day long. Right. Um, it is, you could think of it like a glorified calculator. You have all these different parameters that you put in for the vehicle. You're thinking about rates and terms and residuals and down payments, right. yada, yada. Because of all those things... You don't want to make a post back every time you're changing that. You need this rich interactivity every time. And when I change a down payment, I expect 14 other things on the page to instantly update that were affected by that one value. So you need a single page experience for that sort of thing. Are you concerned about speed or are you concerned about connectivity? Uh, I am more concerned about speed in this right. case. We, we can rely on connectivity because they're... They're sitting there on Wi-Fi at their office. And it just so happens that our whole business model is reliant on connectivity. We sell software, web-based software to automotive dealerships. We were one of the first to do it because back back when we started, this is about 10 years ago, people were going, you're going to rely on an internet connection to run a car dealership? At a car dealership? That sounds crazy. But these days, that doesn't sound so odd. In the day, it was a problem. But you don't have to care about it for every iteration now. It's just at the beginning of the day, they have to be connected enough to get the page loaded. Yes. Mm -hmm. And after that, they're good. Well, we make a lot of server calls, too. So oh. you, you you do bring up a point. You need to have a reliable connection right. throughout the day. But that basic iteration of finding a plan, that I can do locally. Sure. When do, and it's sort of, okay, this is the plan we're going to do. Now we go back and talk to the server again? Well, the 
we have made the decision to put a lot of logic on the server for a variety of reasons. Okay. And this is, anytime you're doing a single page app, that's one of the tough decisions you're making is, how much do I want in JavaScript and how much do I want on the server? And right. my, my take is, I would, if I have a choice, I would rather be writing in C Sharp. Um, because exactly. if I'm sitting on the Financial server... Financial calculations in JavaScript, what could go wrong? <laughs> oh God, don't get me started. <laughs> yeah, well, it's great you brought that up. Douglas Crockford's session today talked about how the problem of JavaScript is... You have one type. Right. Yeah, we we and talked to him about that. Oh, you did? Show sure. on it. Oh, yeah. you did? Oh, well, great. Too funny. Yeah. yeah. How did we mess up numbers so badly? <laughs> yeah. They're just numbers. It well, doesn't anyway, have to be that hard. We won't derail you any further. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Continue. Continue. Yeah. And so, so nonetheless, I didn't want to deal with doing complex math within JavaScript. Yeah. Right. No, nor did I want to expose the business's logic in JavaScript because then effectively any competitor can come in and copy and paste and they have the recipes that we've chosen. I've met some sales guys that look for every possible advantage too. And if one of those advantages would be hacking that data stream, yeah, yeah I wouldn't put it past them. Absolutely. So yeah, in, in that sense, at least you know for sure the math is correct because it's running on your server. Right. Yeah. And in fact, it, we even went to a third party that just literally hands us a DLL and says, hey, you pass parameters to us, we will do all the math because there, there's a ridiculous amount of logic that goes into calculating taxes and all yeah. these sorts of things. So it's a single-page right. app, but it's still making lots of trips to Absolutely. actually do all the calculations. Very, very chatty. Sure. Um, and, and I don't mind that. Um, I, I, think, I think I'm willing to sacrifice some chattiness to keep the client as lean as I can. Right. Because if you're on a mobile phone, for instance, if you're on an iPhone, it doesn't matter if you're making a lot of Ajax calls as long as you have a strong network. And right. Standing sure. on the dealer's lot with good Wi-Fi, you will have that. Right. Uh, but if I put a whole lot of logic there and I'm, I'm straining older, weaker JavaScript engines, mm -hmm. then that is where you can run into a problem. So anywhere that there are places where we will post back to avoid tasking the client. We could have done calculations on the client and avoided it, but we decided it was simpler, lighter weight, leaner, safer, safer to yeah. call the server. And f that's fine too. Yeah fast enough so are there any situations where that has not been fast enough and it hasn't been performant enough to 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 do that on the server yeah we we have some so we have a tabbed interface mm -hmm. and at one point we were having you click on a tab make a call to the server and receive back a new data model that has some new information for that mm -hmm. focused tab mm -hmm. and we we're realizing that we could just keep all that information local because People expect a tab to be an instant right. gratification. I shouldn't have to wait for that other tab to load. That feels very jarring, even if it is something that takes a half second. Yeah. Right. So we decided, no, we're going to pull down some extra data, keep it on the client so that when you tab through, it's an instantaneous experience. Now, keep it on the client. Where do you put it? Oh, it's all just sitting in. It's just JavaScript sitting in our view models. Oh, okay. So it's literally in the page. It's in the view model behind the scenes. So okay. there, there may not be DOM elements that render all of this, but it can be used for decisions on certain calculations okay. or on what items should be displayed on the page. That's that's what's interesting. And in, in my talk, I walked through, I have never worked with an application with a more complicated uh, object model on mm -hmm. the client, but mm -hmm. we send down almost 4K worth of JSON to spin this whole thing wow. up when wow, you load indeed. a desk. Yeah. So. You can imagine it's hundreds and hundreds of properties that, that make all this If only you use soap, then it would have been 150K. <laughs> See, what's interesting is that uh, just even 10 years ago, that would have been too much. Yeah. Just because of bandwidth and, and mm -hmm. device uh, speed, processor speed, that would have 
it would have been not an option. Yeah, we have, but we have the horsepower now on the client. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is not a problem. I use it on my mobile phone. Sure. And that right. was really fun to try those things out. So responsive web design too, because you're clearly working in different form factors. Um, we're not doing responsive because we are requiring a 1024 wide display. So if it, it works kind on a, what kind of phone is that? <laughs> well, th- this is the, I, I say it works on my phone, and it is a pinch and zoom type of experience. Okay. Um, we haven't gone down the road because the the story is dealerships want to use an iPad, but they don't have a big interest in using their iPhones. Right. I wanted to use a phone just to just to try it out and For see whether sure. I could go to that level. Yeah. So that was me turning it up to eleven effectively. Yeah, just seeing it was there, and it, and it's an interesting. You know, what are we getting for responsive web design? This is a captive customer base. You could specify devices. Heck, I'm betting the app before this was specific to a particular set of hardware and it only ran in XP. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that they could, you let them use the iPad by going to web is got to be a huge jump forward for them. Absolutely. Can that I was ask, a big seller. Can I ask you a few questions about a user interface on, yeah. in a spa? Because you say you're, you have a tab interface and that seems very kind of. Uh, you know, sort of old fashioned and stuff. But <laughs> do you, do you, did you have you picked up user interface paradigms from, you know, from maybe phones or, or even, may I even say like sort of metro interfaces or, you know, even more stylistic things? Or do your customers not go for that? Do they like the, the old tried and true interfaces? Or what's the, what's the sort of the story on style of UI? Well, that's interesting you bring that up. We have an application that's 10 years old. It was written in .NET 1.0 was in beta when we got started. Yeah. So that gives you an idea of how big the code base is, too. Mm-hmm. It's been about 30 developers on staff. Now, because of that, they're used to this tab structure. We, yeah. We've followed that metaphor. Your customers are educated. Yes. So we have stuck with the basic look and feel that people feel comfortable with, even though we've built a modern application. It feels like it fits into the rest. Got and it. So sure. that's where... Um, I, I am, was not the UI designer on the project, but I'm sure they were feeling like their ti- hands were tied behind their backs because you have and, to honor history right. in some ways in an application like this. And what's your person, like if you were going to start from scratch, what would you be doing? Like designing your own sort of UI, uh, widgets, would you say, you know, or, or, or things that, you know, if you had, if you had to design the UI over again, would you feel comfortable doing that in, in, uh, in HTML5? Yes. Yeah, I would. Uh, I, I think I, I would think more about implementing swiping. Yeah. Swiping seems to be uh, taking on more and more usage. Now, what that speaks to, though, is if you talk about swiping, then a mouse isn't very useful, though. No, sure. And it becomes weird. And you're going, well, does when I roll the scroll wheel, does that yeah, yeah, move yeah, it yeah. across or what? So right. you end up having to really think about two user interfaces. Sure. Talking and about XP machines, scroll wheels came later. Like, if it's an old enough machine, they may not have a scroll wheel. Wow, I had purged that from my memory. Yeah, I'm telling <laughs> you, dude. Like, there once That's was a back. time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, well, having dealt with car dealerships. You're talking like, about this, right? The mouse yeah, scroll the, wheel? The scroll yeah. wheel in yeah. between the buttons, right? Yeah. But you go back far enough, you, I'm thinking about old beige boxes running XP. Right. You're going to get mice with just two buttons on them. Yeah. At which point you're hitting a arrow key on the keyboard. Key or, yeah. Yeah. Right, or exactly. you're clicking and dragging. I, you know? Yeah, that just doesn't seem right. Sure. It's interesting. Yeah. I also find it interesting that, that you view tabs as the past. It, yeah. it hadn't really occurred to me that they're truly something that's they're that's part going of the MDI interface. But if you think design. about it, one of the one of the reasons that you go to the web is to support everybody. And yeah. you, so if you're supporting everybody, you can't really assume that uh 
the, you know, that they're going to be using the newest, latest, greatest stuff. And you have to sort of use those old metaphors. Although you remember Todd Morrison, our, right. our, our guy from, uh, our, you know, our code legion guy, Microsoft yeah. code legion guy. We interviewed him at the computer history museum in, uh, back in February. Yeah. In California, in California. In Silicon His Valley. idea of, you know, building a, a web app is that he wants to be able to handle every input, every kind of user. Right. It seems like an impossible task, but, you know, a, a website that not only is adaptive UI-wise, but adaptive in input as well. Like, it's going to know if there's touch-enabled, and be, if there's touch-enabled, the UI is different. Right. You know, he's got a side-swipe UI. Versions. Render different and versions. And every's kind of unfair. You're not going to support links, you know, the text-based web browser from 100 years ago. No, but he's, but he's not just looking at the... He's looking at capabilities. Right. He's not looking at, you know... He's looking, do they have touch? Do they have, you know, uh, 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 granted, you know, if we can turn, find out if they have gesture. Right. Or mouse someday, wheel. Or mouse wheel. Mm-hmm. Right. I and if they have all these things, then you can adaptively, not, not just adapt the UI, but adapt the input as well. This is just right. a really interesting scenario because you have very old XP machines and you have iPads. Right. Like yeah. there's literally a 20 year gap between the two. Yeah. Things. Yes. It's right. crazy. Wow, they're literally. Yeah, they're <laughs> literally. Yeah, I'm not making you, but, that up. Yeah. Right? Well, no. When when it, uh, XP shipped in November 2001. Yeah, so yeah that's right. It's at least a 10 year gap. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So there's a 10 year gap between these things, and you have to support them both. Lucky I mean, me. You have a fun job, Corey. I love it. <laughs> that is tough. I totally get where you're coming from. So then I guess the uh, you because you have a particular customer that has particular you know input requirements and needs you're not all that concerned about uh you know rendering different ui and rendering all that adaptive stuff but uh but if if you had it to do over again for a different customer you'd feel totally comfortable with html5 in uh in rendering your own kind of really cool ui oh yeah i think it'd be a lot of fun it's a lot of fun there's so much more out there now and i i just think that's what makes front end so exciting is how fast it is moving. Well, and, and it's just sort of it's it's the diaspora now, right? We're going all these different directions. Heterogeneous clients, like how yeah. does it look on an Android tablet? What if you had a Surface? You know, what if they do want to use a phone or uh, that Samsung Note, the sort of half phone, half tablet? I'm calling them BAPS, big ass phones, because tablet's <laughs> such a dumb name. So yeah, you got a big ass phone, yeah. so it's got a big enough screen that you can make this work, right? You know that that. What is the sales guy going to want to use, right? That's what it comes down to. Yeah. I mean, some of them are, don't want to use anything, and they're, so they're using those ancient XP machines. And some of them are going to have a glitzy tool, an yeah. iPad, or something new and shiny. Yeah, but, but the great thing is that modern tooling on the front end still lets me create a really compelling experience, even for people that are running these older browsers. Right. And that, that's exciting that we've come this far. And that's one thing that I love about... A knockout in particular is that you can still run it all the way back to IE6 if sure. you wanted to. If, you had if you're to. Un- that unfortunate, what about modern- modernizer? Do you, do you use that for you know doing polyfills, or is that even necessary? Uh, I haven't found it necessary because okay. we've been able to get everything that we needed done just out of the box. Right. So we haven't done any kind of filling. There, there's certainly uh, opportunities for that. We just recently launched, so um, you know that that whole idea of a minimum viable product right. really resonates with me and when you talk about well what would you do about yeah. making it more responsive i go well <laughs> responsive was one of those things if we went down that rabbit hole yeah. i don't think we'd have launched on time right so getting something out there and adding value is it all depends on what your customer needs yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. What they're, and really what they're going to tolerate, right? These are not leading edge guys. They want consistency. They, they don't want to think of, they're too busy worrying about the customer and trying to make that sale to have to think about their tool while they're getting the, the best price they can for them. Right. In, in their transactions. So that's yep. an interesting balance. Hey, Richard, you know what time it is? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Yep. Time to re-render the rendering engine's rendering capabilities so that our spas will render more quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Five-minute jokes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Especially to Kyle Franklin. That's, it's amazing. No, it's actually time to give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I tell you who won today, let's talk about the Telerik DevCraft Collection. Supercharge your .NET productivity with Telerik DevCraft. This bundle includes over 420 UI controls, for all .NET technologies, including ASP.NET AJAX, MVC, and WPF. Plus, you'll also receive Kendo UI, HTML5, JavaScript framework, productivity, reporting, and debugging tools. Telerik DevCraft comes with three upgrades per year and Telerik's industry-leading support. Download your free 30-day trial today at Telerik.com slash DNR DevCraft. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is J.S. Singh. Congratulations, Jay. Yes. Well done. And JS just won the Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection. That's just about everything they do in one box. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. Nice. We have thousands of members all over the world. Every show we give away great stuff like the Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection, and every December we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the fan club. Absolutely. And we like to ask our guests... If you had $5,000 to spend right now, Corey, on technology, what would you buy? Uh, I want to buy something that I don't think exists. Okay. I want a laptop that has a fold-out screen that will give me basically about a 24-inch display, but I want it to be the size of my 13-inch Ultrabook that I'm carrying. When it's folded up, it's small. Yeah, and I'm fine with a seam, but just something that folded out. You know, I saw that on Get Smart. In the the 70s. (laughs) Really? Chief, excuse me while I unfold my Raptor Cater. (laughs) Sorry. I'm I'm sure Asus made one that was like there was a second screen tucked in behind the main screen and you pull it out. Okay, I've I've seen seen one and it was was a pretty rough looking setup because there's two. I mean, aren't we at that point now where. Have you guys seen the videos where you can take a display and wrap it around a pencil? Yes. And then they'll unwrap that display. So we have something that could more or less roll up. Right. And if we're at that point, why can't I unroll my display and have a large display with this small portable laptop? I I think part of it is price and resolution and so forth. But what was the movie? There was a... There was like a Mars movie a few years ago where that's exactly what they had. They, their machines were actually little cylinders. Uh-huh. So they get on the surface of Mars and, they, and they're going to you know look up some data and they just pull this thing out like it's a, a roller blind. They yeah. pull it out sideways and then it's, they're, showing, they're holding it up in front of the world and it's adding augmented data on top of it. That is cool. I that think we're going to cool. get there. That technology exists. You know, it's just a question of right cost, right, you know, but big thing with the rollout thing is you got to hold it. I got, I got other things I want to do you with do? my hands. You do not. You do. Really? Well, that's what they did in the movie, right? Is actually holding it up like this. Oh. So, you know, if it's, if it's rolled, how are you going to keep it lying flat when you want to use well, it? I suppose that's true. How do you true. stand it up? Got to be make a stand. It rigid enough. I would happily carry duct tape if I had to. <laughs> a dowel. solve this. Duct tape and dowels. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Expanding screens, more screen uh, space on your laptop. I mean, I've switched over to Ultrabooks. I'm hooked. 
Yes, they're so, so nice. Yeah. And they got enough horsepower. And Finally. Not quite enough disk space for me yet. Yeah, but the um, I have a Samsung Series 9 with the 13-inch display that's 3200 by 1800. Uh, so, uh, have you had pains with the high DPI? I have a Yoga 2 Pro with the same resolution. Once you got Win 8.1 update, yes, it, the, a lot of pain went away. I actually keep mine at a lower resolution just because I can't, I can't squint that high. <laughs> so, so, so we're getting old and our eyes yeah. are just not that good anymore. You don't run like DPI scaling at 200%? No. And, okay. No. Lots of ways to solve the problem, but oh, it's yeah. an interesting, yeah. interesting piece. I'm with you, Corey. It's good stuff. And I bet we could eat up five grand with a roll-up screen. <laughs> no problem. I'm sure somebody wants to sell it to us for much more than that. <laughs> so, I mean, I, got, I totally get the web app side of this thing because deploy, your deployment problems just go away. They yes. get online. They get to a browser. There it is. They get the latest updates. I mean, how often are you updating this app? About once a month. Yeah? So, it's just a steady cadence. Is it feature ads or is it bug fixes? Like... Because this is an old app. They know what they want. Is there really, how much is there to change? Uh, there's, there's feature ads. Because remember, we were replacing a legacy app. So right. we, in, uh, in a, a few of- ways, we lost some features. We didn't quite make feature parity uh, moving to the new one. And but- I'm sure there was pent-up demand for new features on the old app that weren't being done because the app was basically dead while you're yes. building the new one. Yes. Okay, so you've got, you've got a stack of things now you're trying to get out to. Absolutely. To add to it, to mature it up. It's really, really a fun thing. And I love the schism here between tablets. Like, I almost think you'd want to build a tablet app that was as tablety as it could be, mm-hmm. you know, more modern looking. And then you have the one that runs on the old XP machines. Well, that's the interesting idea. Of, uh, I've had people ask, well, why, why didn't we just build a native app instead? Yeah. Um, and the, what you run into is um, that, that would be nice, too. But the first problem we needed to solve was most people are on the desktop. So we knew we had to get the people on the desktop. Off of Silverlight, we wanted to move to a RESTful API. Right. And the thing is, but you only need to get off Silverlight because you wanted to support the tablets. Well, we need to get off Silverlight because we were having a a hard time keeping people that wanted to work in it, too. It's just... Oh, right. It's... um, So, dev resourcing problems, too. Yeah. It it started to get to that point, at least in Kansas City. I don't know if it's that way elsewhere, Mm -hmm. but... No, it's it's fair. I think think there's an irrational fear around Silverlight. It's not like Microsoft's been perfectly plain about... This technology is not going away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to keep running for a long time. But that doesn't mean that developers are excited about it either. Right. Right. It's like, yeah, you could be a Silverlight developer. You could be a Fox Pro developer. You know, <laughs> whatever makes you happy. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, but, uh, all right. So you're having trouble with developers. So that's part of the initiative. Because that's not a cheap thing to do to move off a platform like that. No. But then native. Hmm? Like if you're going to go native on XP, what is that? I guess a .NET app will run, a WinForms app will run. Oh, sure. It's yeah. just it, that that wasn't a really attractive situation for us just because we have established our business as being web-centric. Right. So for us, it would have been going in that other direction. We'd have a lot of problems. Well, installations, so, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. Now, now the mobile native side is interesting because the deployment story is, is so much richer there. Right. And if we had gone with a native iOS app and native but Windows, we still Then you have to put it in the app store? Yes. And is that acceptable? Because this is only going to be usable by by your auto dealer customers. Uh, now, I I believe that'd still be acceptable. It's just that'd a matter be acceptable of to your company, right? That's just yeah. sort of a mindset about yeah, we're yeah. gonna put this app up. It's not useful for anybody else. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's free to download, but you have to have an account to be able to get in to use it. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Just solve it with authentication. Mm-hmm. It's a heck of a lot easier than trying to come up with a different distribution method. For sure. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Or or we could use the web. What an idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know that just. 
We keep forgetting how much that solves. I know. Just takes that problem off the table. Absolutely. And, you know, the other problem I have and I find with customers have with a web app is that they have a tough time valuing a web app. Mm-hmm. Like the, the deployable apps are perceived as more valuable. I don't know if you run into this with your, with this app. Well, I've, I've run into a lot of things that are related to that. I've, I've learned not to show anyone a UI that looks like it should work mm. because there's this <laughs> assumption that it's done, right? right. That's and right. finished. Yeah. And, and it is trivial to be able to make something that looks like it should work. Right. I'll often prototype things. But if I prototype something, you can bank on the fact it will be awful looking because I'm just trying to convey an idea. out of it. Yes. Yeah. So no CSS at yeah. all. It's just. There's no drywall on this house. Uh-huh. Just. You know, just two by fours. Because they're convinced they're paying for really good paint. Yeah, that's and I'll put the paint on later. As long as we got paint, we're good. So yeah. you keep the paint off. Yes. To the very end. Yeah, bare metal. Brilliant. I love it. And can you, yeah, I guess, how does a spa app wor- look when it's not decorated? Like, is it a little twitchier? Because in the end, you're, you're essentially populating div tags, right? Well, and, and I should clarify, in this case, I didn't have to worry about that because my customers were internal and tech-savvy enough mm-hmm. that I didn't have to worry about them getting the wrong impression from seeing right. a UI that, that looked like it should work. Uh, but I, I've definitely found that when doing consulting, mm-hmm. it's it's really important up front as you're iterating rapidly and you're trying to, to be an agile developer, when you do your product owner reviews... Don't spend all your time focusing on the UI. Don't because, make it pretty. Yeah, then you won't ever find the time to properly build the, your business logic and your data access. Right. So sometimes you have to balance that and move between the three layers and go, okay, if I spend all my time back here on the back end, I won't have anything to show them. You'll have to trust me that I have a data access layer right. set up. But you've got to have enough visibility to actually make that make sense. Yeah, yeah, so it's a balance. Do you find new financial options showing up? Like, Is the calculation side of this continuing to evolve as well? Yeah, it's, um, I think it's interesting because dealerships are always coming up with new ways to right. try to incentivize people, right? And Pick up your car today, get a free gun. Because <laughs> <laughs> America, yeah. yeah. America. <laughs> there, was a, there was a bank that was like, hey, open account today, we'll give you a gun. I'm like, really? The, In a bank? In a bank. <laughs> really? So they walk you out to the parking lot and then Something hand it like to you? That, and I had no like, ammo. Yeah. I don't know. Like, <laughs> how is that a good idea? Who came up with that campaign? I'll, I'll hand it to them. That is novel. Yeah, I would remember it. But I, I've, I've done work in, in real estate and things like that where we, lots of things like no payments for six months. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it, we bought, we pay the taxes, which, you know, is just a, the tax is still being paid as per normal. We just build it in. Right? Yeah. Like, all these different ways to present options that make people happy. Like, I got to think you get situations where, You've got a given dealership says, hey, we really want to use your app. This is the campaign we're running. Can you give us that financial option? Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and we do. And, and in fact, a lot of that even gets, uh, there's third parties that pull in a lot of that information. Because keeping up with every single auto's make and model and the rebates that come oh, along with that and incentives, it's that's that's a business model so actually in and of the itself. dealers or the, the manufacturer's incentives yes. in. Do you put that into your app? Oh, yes. Wow. Absolutely. So, so you end up. What you recognize is, and I feel like this is becoming more and more common, that people have to solve more and more narrow problems and then pull in from third parties to bring a lot of this in. Everything's a mashup. Yeah, data as a service is really popular in our industry. And we say, okay, I can't can't be expected to keep up on tax codes, so I will make a call to an API that will help me get that data, right? Yeah. So do you, you've got to focus on your core competency and ours is we know the automotive industry and we know web development. Right. So everybody. And you really don't want to mess up on taxes because it makes everybody unhappy. Yeah. They that. get cranky fast on that Real one. Real cranky <laughs> fast. Yeah. yeah. 
Real, real cranky. But yeah, the dealer ins- or the, the manufacturer incentive one is an interesting feat. I mean, that means each manufacturer has a different way of providing you data. Like, mm-hmm. that can be a big headache. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah interesting challenge. Job maps, security. Maps of the vehicles. <laughs> yes. Well, it's like this app's never going to stop updating. I mean, twice, oh, no. Most manufacturers are putting out cars twice a year. And yeah. Somebody's coming up with a new financial option every bloody month. It's a constant flow. Suddenly, the deployment model is completely unreasonable. Like mm-hmm. You have to do this in a way that can be updated constantly. Yeah, and it also makes uh, testing really challenging because you think about all the different third-party data that you're relying upon. It mm-hmm. becomes really hard to think about all the potential permutations right. of what's going on there. Yeah. And yeah, what do you do when that stuff breaks on their end? And mm-hmm. did your customer still calling you and yelling? <laughs> and by your reaction, I presume I'm correct. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I thankfully don't have to carry a pager. They nice. open a ticket, and on Monday, <laughs> you can deal with number it. one priority. Yeah, yes. yeah, we'll get that fixed for you. Yeah, that's good. Um, do you have a scale issue? I can't imagine there's that many simultaneous users. Um, no, we we haven't. We have uh, so we're we're hosted on IIS and have a a lot of hardware. I don't even know the final count. But Probably. it is all on prem. Um, it for is, you, you're like it is off prem, but it is our servers. Right. So, so you're you're the service provider. Yes, we are. We are. I mean, it sounds like it would be a perfect cloud app. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, there were some decisions made up top that, yeah, you we just didn't You don't get to make route. all the decisions yeah. yourself? What's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I read an article recently that was basically surmising that the idea of the essay is really going away, that the only essays that you're going to see will be at large data centers right. across the country because it's just, it's becoming really hard to justify having your own boxes. Right. Well, and as you know, the time to hit that is as the machines are aging out, they're coming out of warranty, and you're about to do a six-figure buy of mm-hmm. gear. It's like, do you know how much <laughs> Azure time or AWS time we can buy with this money? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And no maintenance, you know, and, 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 like, it, it's pretty compelling. It is. But it's not like you're holding on to people's personal data all that much in that scenario either. Not a whole lot. Yeah. yeah there's not a lot of PMI. Yeah. Uh, but we do deal with some of that. Sure. You know, with financing, there's always that side. But it's only after the, the deal's put together and you actually have to register it that, you know, now it'll end up somewhere else. Right. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting set of problems. Mm-hmm. So what's, uh, what's next on your agenda? Well, uh, I, I think we're at a point where we've got to decide whether we're going to stay on Durandal or not. Right. And uh, that's, that's where I'm, I'm thinking pretty strongly that we're going to go to angular i it's been unbelievable to me to see how quickly that has spun up the yeah. amount of attention that angular oh, yeah. is getting is well it's such a great team They've yes. done so much but uh, does that mean you try and make it run an ie 7 8 i mean it's I, not I, the, that's the linchpin right well i mean the, the nice thing is we have I, I at least have support from upper management that at some point you have to make a call between staying modern and staying competitive right and, yeah. and th- this is the thing when you have people on 7 and 8, it's not that they are lost. It is that they have this option for something free. All we right. have to say sure. is, hey, Chrome, Firefox, Safari, right. take your pick. All of these are available and run right alongside IE. We're right. just asking you to open another browser. So, well, that's right. They don't have to replace the machine. They just no. got to run a current browser. Yeah, and, and they're going to find that everything else that they load in that browser, wow, it's all pretty snappy, yeah, it's all isn't pretty it? good. Yeah, you know, interesting. Life just got better. So I feel like that's a pretty easy sales pitch. Right. But there's a lot of people that are in this situation right now, and I'm, what I'm seeing is this trend toward evergreen browsers. This idea that I'm only going to write applications that run in browsers that auto-update. Well, especially, yeah, especially you're talking about Chrome. They do mm-hmm. so seamlessly, you don't even realize it's updating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's 
You know, they don't have version numbers really anymore. Yeah. Every time you close that browser, you get a new version. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd overflowed integers. We, yeah. yeah. Because they do <laughs> it all there. the time. So, I mean, even to put that requirement down, you must run this in Chrome. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's free, you know. Yes. And you only have to do the installation on that machine once, and it'll take care of itself ever after. Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't seem, even for a dealership, all that arduous. No, I, I think a lot of people are just dealing with political issues, yeah. and I get that. And I've seen areas where basically the IT staff has a stronghold and has a feeling that it's a lot easier to support machines with one browser on it. Right. Because the minute people start running any of their native apps or their internal apps in a different right. browser, they probably won't work in some way. Yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the tough call, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I guess, again, this is all, this is a business conversation. Are we yes. willing to sacrifice a few difficult customers to do a better job the rest of, supporting the rest of our customer base? Yeah. Well, th- there's been some very public uh, startups that have said, we don't support any old browser. There's one that even said, we don't support IE, which I thought was little pretty extreme. aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, especially when you look at IE 11 is, is wonderful. I'm yeah, yeah. very, very happy with it. But this all started version. back with in Norway years ago where it was like a newspaper or something said, oh, we're not going to support IE 6 anymore. And so when you went to the newspaper site in IE 6 and said, hey, look, this is not going to render correctly. Here's how yeah. you get a newer browser. Right. And that makes a lot and of it sense. it sort of started that whole cascade that's still happening now mm-hmm. to start actually demanding time to move up. No, yeah. we, we did that exact same approach on, uh, so part, part of our solution is offering dealership websites. And we did that same approach that anyone hitting the site in IE6 sees a notification. Yeah. Because at some point we had to draw the line and yeah. there were still a few and, people you out know, there. For so. the rest of us, thank you for doing that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You're part of the solution. You yes. are part of the solution. Part of the <laughs> yeah. solution. Absolutely. All right. Well, man, thank you. Thanks for sharing the, sharing this hour with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, great to talk to you. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a